0: And welcome back. Bill Douglas with us as we talk about consciousness. Bill, who taught you the meditation techniques? Did you teach yourself?
1: Well, what happened was uh, I uh, I grew up in western Kansas in a small town, and then I moved to Los Angeles after we graduated from college. And the stress of urban life was really kind of wearing on my nerves. And so I started going to a therapist, and the therapist said, Bill, have you ever thought about doing mind-body practices? And so I, I found a local class, and that f- first night that I did it, I thought, "Wow, man, I feel so much better," <laughs> and uh, and so then I just ended up sticking with it. And I never planned on teaching it, uh, but then what happened was uh, uh, both of my parents died of stress disease, and my mother left a note the night before. She wrote a note to me the night before she passed away.
0: Oh, geez. Uh, she
1: had like a premonition, and she said, "I wish I could go back a few years and learn the arts of relaxation that you were trying to teach me because." I would have loved to have seen my grandchildren grow up. And uh, and the science shows that it adds about 12 years to our lives uh, on average. And so she would have seen my kids, you know, you know, grow up a lot if, if she had done it. And, and it just kind of welded something in me. And I just decided, you know, I need to I need to share this with people. People need to know about this stuff. And so that's how I ended up teaching.
0: Was it difficult for you to learn these things?
1: It there, there were challenges to it. The
0: very, first, the very
1: first time I did it, it was really easy, and I think that made a big difference. But then, but then you have challenges. You know, it's like your mind wanders, and you think, oh, I can't meditate. But what I always tell my students is all that's normal. <laughs> I, all the challenges that you face, I went through. And uh, what I do in the back of the Gospel of Science is I, is I kind of guide people through, uh, you know, those challenges so that you don't feel daunted by it. Because you'll get to a point where it's just so much fun. It's just, it's just I, I really enjoy it. Every time I do it, it's like going on a little vacation. And it'll get to that point if you stick with it. And uh, so I, I try really hard to, you know, just kind of explain it to people the way that I, I would have liked to have had it explained to me.
0: How, how close is it, Bill, to intuition?
1: Well, the uh, you know, those extraordinary consciousness experiences uh, that people get from practicing these things, uh, that's you know, that's, that's part of that, uh, you know, intuition, uh, kind of, uh, sensing things before they happen sometimes. And, uh, and then also, you know, the science shows that we become much more powerful in influencing how things turn out, uh, you know, in ways that we can't really understand intellectually, but you, but the science shows that it happens and, and you experience it in your life. Uh, that it's just real, uh, it's, it's, it's a larger way of living, and, uh, and it's just a lot of fun. It's like every day becomes this great experiment.
0: Let's take some calls here for you. Let's go to Karen in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Hi, Karen. Welcome.
2: Well, thank you, Mr. George, big guy. Um, Bill, I've got to give it to you. After 52 years of meditation and going through various cycles, I know this to be true that and right. can, um, George, you said it right, is this part of intuition. It will develop a higher consciousness because you're constantly walking in an alpha state. And right. in alpha, intuition is very clear. In fact, there are no secrets in the soul world. Some people know the word to cash it. But, Bill, I really want to know, have you applied for NGO status?
1: Well, uh, what we, we work through an organization called HPL, and uh, they, uh, uh, there's, there's a lot of mind-body organizations under their umbrella, and we're one of them. And uh, so that's, that's how we did it. But you, you, can, uh, you can Google HPL and see if you can uh, connect with them.
0: What's the benefit of having that kind of status, Bill?
1: Well, for us, it's we can take uh, uh, tax deductible donations. That's that's that that was the main reason why we wanted to do that.
0: When you decided to test the basketball acumen to see if this works, mm-hmm. why did you key in on that?
1: Well, what happened was I just started going to the gym to shoot baskets just to get away from the computer because. I'll, yeah, You know, I teach meditation and Tai Chi and Qigong and, you know, yogic techniques and things like that. But I also spend a lot of time at the computer organizing the world events that we do. And I just needed to, you know, get away from the computer. And so I went to the local gym and I'd just go to the gym and I'd, I'd, I'd shoot baskets, you know, just to, just to get some exercise. But then I started doing my Qigong and my Tai Chi and my meditation before. Before you know, when I get to the gym, I do that before I start shooting baskets, and I noticed that I made a lot more baskets. And so then I started, you know, really dedicating myself to the, you know, the techniques that I teach in the back of the new second edition of the Gospel of Science, and uh, uh, and then I just saw, I, I just got to the point where it was really rare that I missed a shot, and that and that was just blowing my mind. So it was just, I kind of fell into it. Uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't set off to make that. You know the example of what was happening with my brain and my consciousness and my body through practice techniques, I was just doing it to get away from the computer. But then, you know, because I was practicing those things and then I saw the difference in, in my uh, percentage free throw percentage that, that was mind boggling, you know, yeah, yeah,
0: you went from, you went from what to 90%. Well, uh, you know, I was like,
1: uh, I was like around
0: 50,
1: 50, 60% on a good day.
0: That's still not bad.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, uh, you see, I've been practicing the mind body things for years. Uh, so I think that they were helping me because when I was back when I was in school, if I shot 20%, I was doing good, but it was when I, it was the combination of learning the science, uh, uh which I've meticulously noted in the book and the combination of doing that and the mind body, uh, diligently, those two things just really unlock this kind of superpower. And, and it, it just blows my mind, you know, that I can actually make that ball go, do, go through the center of the hoop like that.
0: <laughs> Blair in Phoenix, Arizona is with us. Hey, Blair, welcome. Uh, thank
3: you, George. Unlike, oh, Bill, unlike my late friend, METV TV director, Ron Bacon, who lived for 92 years with daily bike machine rides, I'm a 72-year-old who utilizes relaxation along with what I call gravity stretches, during my daily meditative stretch session, where the first thirty minutes utilized standing poses that I learned from watching Richard Hittleman yoga programs on PBS in the nineteen seventies, okay. and the last yeah and the last fifteen minutes are three floor yoga poses, poses he taught, including the classic cobra, laying laying on my extended seven foot long living room couch. Not the floor. I got a firm couch. It works just as well, where I completely relax and just breathe in between stretches. Because Hittlement also emphasized total body relaxation periods between floor exercises. I'd love your com- your comments on that. Sir.
1: Yeah, yeah. That relaxation element, that's that's the huge part. Because the research shows when they look at Tai Chi and yoga as compared to uh you know, regular exercises that people do that aren't really mind-body exercises, but just physical exercises. Uh, tai Chi and yoga, they always outperform normal exercise, and it's that relaxation component. You know, when we're letting go and, you know, tuning into the breath and the letting go, uh, that's when, the, you know, the mind lets go, and then we drift into that alpha state, that alpha state brainwave state, and that's where all the magic happens. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's really
0: profound. Yeah. we've got Eric truck driving in Indiana hello Eric welcome
4: hey George did you have a good Thanksgiving
0: we, we had a great one then we did the show that night and everything went well
4: I didn't get to listen to you but I, I had a great time being off for four days
0: <laughs> for <Thanksgiving>. I'll bet
5: <laughs> I, uh, I
4: want to talk to your guest about the word confidence what, uh, how did, how does he play with that word uh, I I used to, back in the day, my dad, he used to shoot sporting plays, but actually it was called trap. And he let me, I was about 10 years old, and he let me shoot for the first time I ever shot. But I just, you know, I just watched. And the, my cousin had a double barrel, over, over and under double barrel shotgun. It was a box shotgun. He let me, I kind of like that. It. it was pretty short. And, you know, they give us, Tim, give me and a buddy of mine's boy, he was a little older than I was, but I beat him though, and they give us ten birds to shoot. I shot nine out of ten. And I wow. used to be the same I used to be the same way with horseshoes. You know, and and basketball, you know, I could throw a hook shot and, and just knowing where the uh just knowing where the basket is, I could I could close my eyes and do it. Just basically like wow. playing a guitar. You don't really need to look at strings to play. You you just know where they're at, you know,
1: so <laughs>
4: what, what do you think about that?
1: Well, you know what I think. I think that some people are just gifted, you know. And it sounds like you're one of them, you know. And a lot of athletes, like you know, NBA players, you know, they're they're just gifted people. They were gifted from the very beginning. Uh, but I wasn't one of them. <laughs> I was I was terrible. I, I wasn't good at sports. I, I didn't I didn't have any mind body, you know, uh, coordination. And so, uh, so it sounds like you're just one of those gifted people that, uh, you know, has that real solid connection between your mind and your body. But, uh, uh, but for me, uh, it's like I, I, you know, the mind body practices is what enabled me to discover this ability that I have, which is sounds like it's similar to the ability that you have. Uh, but I had to, I had to, you know, go through these uh, processes, you know, these mind body practice processes to be able to achieve that. And so that's what I think these things offer, you know, just, you know, the average person like myself is they give us the ability to start to discover that we're able to do things that we never thought we could do. You know, like people like you that are very natural at things uh, that it just feels so natural to you. But for, you know, most of us ordinary people, it would, it would, it would would almost seem supernatural what you're able to do. And uh, i found that these, well, and the science backs backs up my own experience. But the mind-body techniques, they they can really help, you know, average, ordinary, everyday people like us uh, to be able to do things like what you're talking about, Eric. Yeah.
0: Let's go to Don in Alberta, Canada on the international line. Hey, Donald, go ahead. Hi,
6: George. Hi, Bill. You know, I, I woke up Hi. I thought I would woke up in a different dimension. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, Meditation is so simple, and it's, it's so easy. Um, I just can't believe. It. I actually do, was started doing it naturally when I was a kid, and I didn't. I didn't know what I was doing. I just I would like look into the sun, and, and then I found when I held my arms out and turned them towards the sun and closed my eyes, and then I'd come back, and everything would be bright, and you know this and that. But it just if people would take the time to meditate and imagine the planet as being like a size of a basketball and, and they're holding it in their hands and focus that energy and bring it around. The world would be completely different place. But yeah, that's
7: that's beautiful.
6: It's, yeah, it's, it's it's so simple, but just, if they would just open their heart and, and just imagine the planet being the size of a basketball and just, and, and uh, focus that inner heart energy towards the, the they, it's, when you meditate, what you're doing is you're, you're tapping into the energy that creates all life and creates everything in the universe, and so mm-hmm. all you're doing is you're just bringing it into your physical body, and and then you can project it around you or however you'd like to do it. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's absolutely amazing. I just I just
1: can't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, Somebody's on yeah, the that's radio. yeah, that's beautiful. And uh, you know, and I had a sim, I had similar experiences when I was a kid. Uh, you know, I grew up in a small western Kansas farming town, and so I'd go out sometimes and walk in the wheat fields. you know, just me and my dog, and that, you know, when when the wind would be blowing through those ripe wheat heads, you know, you'd get this kind of droning sound, you know, and that's all there, there'd be up there, just me and that droning sound, and I would go into a meditative state, I'd go into alpha state, but I don't, you know, I'd just go there for like two seconds, and then I'd come out of it, and I'd go, wow, you know, i just think, wow, what happened, you know, where'd I go, you know, I was just a kid. And so that's the thing. We can give kids, by getting this into public education, we can give kids a context. And then they can realize that those states are a normal thing, and it's not weird. And, uh, and then it gives us the ability to do, you know, the things that you're talking about, about, uh, you know, being a healing force on the planet. Science is backing all this up. And we're the first generation in the history of humanity uh, that has all this science that backs up, uh, you know, the kind of things that you're talking about. And so, uh, you know, it's like, I I really hope everybody out there will find a way to read the new second edition of the Gospel of Science, you know, just get your local library to get it uh, uh, so you can read it, because reading all this science will validate uh, these concepts in a way that will allow you to be even more, uh, to uh, get more benefit out of it. You know, it's like it'll unlock your mind so that your body can absorb even more of the benefits from it. And that's, that's exactly what it did to me Uh, being exposed to all the science and practicing the mind body techniques at the same time. So yeah, the potential of this is really extraordinary.
0: Let's go to Leslie in Sacramento, California. Hi, Leslie. Hi, George. Thank you so much for taking my
2: call. Sure. And hi, Mr. Douglas. Um, I didn't realize that. Yes, I didn't realize. So I have two questions that I could ask one after the other and listen right. off the air. Um, so my first question is, it sounds like meditation is a very powerful tool that we can use. And it made me wonder if uh, it could be used for evil as well. And then my second question is, well, I know people uh, in the world. Hey, Leslie, Leslie, uh, what
1: was the last part of your first? Evil, question?
0: evil. That can it be used for evil?
1: Oh, oh, okay. Uh, and, you let me answer and then, that. and Then you can do the second question. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, okay what what happens when when people meditate uh, is the science shows that it increases the empathy and compassion parts of the brain and it shrinks the stress and fear part of the brain and uh, uh, from my perspective it seems that most evil acts come out of like fear a fear state and uh, empathy and compassion is uh, uh, that's the natural response to uh, that the body has when we go into meditative states is that the empathy and compassion parts of the brain get larger. And, and, and we all find that, you know, people that practice mind body practices like meditation, uh, and my students, we are, you know, we talk about all this stuff in class. Yeah. We're, we always get easier to deal with, you know, we're, we're more compassionate with the people that we live around and, uh, and people notice it and they talk about it. So yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's the thing that the science is showing and, and and that's what my experience shows from teaching it to people.
0: what was your second question, Leslie?
2: Oh thank you George, and thank you mr douglas that's so um, I'm so happy to hear that The second question uh, is I know people in virtual worlds that actually uh, do meditation sessions, and I was wondering how effective that is when you're in a virtual world. And I was not to air. Thank you.
0: A virtual world. Yeah. Go ahead. Forty seconds yeah, left right. here, Bill, before the break. Okay.
1: That's yeah. That's a great question. Uh, my personal experience with mind-body meditation and technology is uh, I I I I use techno- I have used technology to help my meditation because uh, uh, there's things that can help you detect where your brainwaves are at. Uh, there's a Muse headband that I, I use uh, sometimes, and that's been very beneficial. But as far as using technology to actually meditate with, I don't do that. Uh, I just use, you know, I've used it to help me understand my meditation, but I find that just the natural state of just being with yourself and not having technology involved in it, uh, I find that to be the best thing. I, and I try to get my students to kind of kind of get away from technology as much as possible, you know, and and get into nature and meditative states. All right,
0: we're going to come back, Bill, in just a moment and wrap things up with you on Coast to Coast AM. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. Thank you, Bill, for being on the program. I always appreciate your work. And, folks, don't forget the petition. Go to his website, org and sign that petition. It's absolutely free. You know, for some people, demons and entities are a problem. But if you need a clearing, there's no one better than the spiritual warrior, Bill Bean. Bill, let's talk about that other case of possession that uh, is in the book, uh, The Connection, if you would, please.
7: Absolutely. And, George, I'd like to, if we have a moment after that, I'd like to mention uh, briefly— a couple recent ones that I feel you would probably be very interested sure. in hearing about. Absolutely. Uh, but let me speak about this really quickly. Um, this one took place on March 31st, 2018, in Orlando, Florida. And uh, I arrived at the home. And, you know, George, usually I can feel, and again, I don't claim to be anything, but God does give me a knowing of things. He has bestowed gifts, I'll say it that way, upon me and i could sense evil right away you know pulling up and getting out of the the rental car and um as i'm walking up the walkway you know i could i could sense it i could feel evil present and the uh it, it was a very nice family and and the the lady of the house was the one being affected and she too had some suffering in her childhood and she was exposed to Uh, Santeria Mm -hmm. and Santeria uh, curses, which is, you know, it's like a Caribbean voodoo. And so she had exposure to that and was victimized by that as a child. And so she had been having on and off bouts of what she believed was demonic possession over the years. I think it was just a, a strong oppression that eventually did turn into of possession, and I didn't even think that until it was time to perform the deliverance. So, I'm sitting there with her and her husband, very nice lady, he's a very nice man, Uh, met the kids, everything seemed well between all of them. We're talking, um, and the more we talked, the closer it was getting to the time at hand of the deliverance. Hmm. So I asked her husband, to go up and and fill the tub that I was going to ask her to stand in the water. I was going to bless the water first. I was going to ask her to stand in that water and I was going to perform the deliverance over her while she was standing in that blessed holy water. So everything was going according to plan until we got into the bathroom. When it was time for her after I said the prayer. And I could notice when we were going up the steps, her body language, you know, it was changing, that she was becoming nervous and apprehensive. And, you know, and again, you think, okay, well, this person's going to be a little nervous. I mean, something like this is about to happen. You know, they're going to be disturbed by it. So I'm blessing the water, and now it's time for her to get in. And all of a sudden, George, it takes her over. And it becomes a physical struggle. And her husband, he was right there, and he did assist me. He stayed right there with me. And we had to physically subdue her and get her into the uh, tub. And, my goodness, was it ever a struggle. Same thing, spitting on me, trying to bite me. Curse him. her. Eyes changed to black. Um, there were voices coming out of her, and she, her tongue... Looked like a, It was like a serpent. It was coming out and going all over the place. I, it was just unfathomable. And then she started. It, it wasn't her. It was those demonic uh, entities mm-hmm. in her. They were screeching and screaming. I can't believe that the neighbors didn't call the police. That's how loud this
0: Jeez. was.
7: And so, again, I had to be unwavering in what God was having me to do. And I continued, even with that screeching, and I continued to take power and authority over it every time I did that, it would stop, and then it would start back up again. So this was a battle back and forth for quite a while. And uh, to make a long story short, God did work through me to deliver her from it. And when she was delivered, she vomited everywhere. That happens sometimes, George. It comes up through the mouth like that. And uh, after that happened, she was delivered. And then, you know, God bless her husband, he cleaned all of that up, and we had to put fresh water in there. Sure. And I re-blessed the water and then baptized her in that. And she's been great ever since, thank God. But let me tell you, I will never, ever forget that day.
0: And it seems like she was calm, and then something really kicked her into high gear. What would have done that?
7: I think what it was is the entities knew it was time for eviction. Uh Aha. So when it's time for eviction, you know, they're going to hold on and fight with everything that they have because they don't want to go.
0: They were fighting you.
7: Yes. They have a host body, and that's what they want. And when they could get into a person like that and have that level of control, they don't want to go anywhere. So I am definitely, you know, a mortal enemy to these demonic forces. And again, it's by the power of God that I'm even still alive, George. Because I believe that if if the devil would have had his way, he'd have killed me a long oh, time See, ago. that's and by the power of God. I'm still
0: alive. That's what I asked you. If you've ever been attacked or hurt, you've been yeah. very fortunate.
7: Yes, absolutely. Can we can
0: can we Go say ahead. you were lucky?
7: Well, I I would say blessed. Uh, You know, I'm definitely under God's full blessing, and and I am not perfect. I don't claim to be perfect. I try to do the best that I could do and be the best that I could be each and every day of my life because I have to be somebody to and for somebody every day of my life, so I can't let down. And so I thank God and praise God for that. Um, And I will say this as well that my life is 50 times more blessed than it's ever been cursed. And I could never thank God and praise God enough for that.
0: Let's talk about a couple other little cases you had mentioned, then we'll get into the Mandela effect, and then we'll take calls with you, Bill. What uh, what other cases Um, did you uh, happen to have? I
7: want to talk with you about something that took place on November 18th, this uh, 2018. And uh, your webmaster has it, posted on the coast-to-coast Coast site a couple of those photographs. And this took place in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And this took place uh, at the home of a family that I had already helped. I'd previously been there. I love them dearly. They're, they're like family to me now. And and I feel that way about all my clients. I You know, after this is over with, I try to be there for them and do anything that I can for them and, and always be there and somebody that could comfort them and help them to move forward. So this is Anita Tetzel and her son, Chris Levis, Um, great people. Anyway, they started having problems again, and they asked if I could come back, which I did. And again, I sensed the presence of evil when I entered into the home, really walking up the walkway as well, but I entered in. Now, usually, George, I would never ask someone to do this, uh, because most people, they don't want to document. They don't want to take photographs. They don't want video. They're very embarrassed and ashamed by it. They don't want people to know it. But on this occasion, I felt that God was urging me to say to Chris, I want you to stand behind me as I'm going through this house. And they had they'd had severe demonic problems in the past. They got work to me to deliver them, mm-hmm. and to get rid of the garbage out of the home, and somehow it, it come back in. And so I asked Chris, I said, I want you to walk behind me as I'm going through the house and just take random photographs. I really believe that you're going to capture some things in these photographs. And so, sure enough, he captured many images, uh, two that I believe to be divine, angels, and then the rest, I I believe, to be demonic. And uh, one in particular, which is on your Coast to Coast website, was this face. And I mean, it's very clear. It's very clearly uh, defined. It looks like a demonic entity. And if you look closer at it, it looks like fangs.
0: Oh, it's horrible looking. It's horrible. Yeah.
7: Yeah. Yep. Out of the right side of the mouth. And um, so this was in the basement of the home.
0: It looks like Frankenstein, the face, doesn't it? Exactly,
7: George, exactly. And I mean, that's one of the most defined pictures that I've ever seen of what I believe to be a demon. And so I was drawn over to the uh, chimney area, and part of that house was built in the 1800s. And there was like a little potbelly stove uh, connected to this this chimney area down in the basement. And it was a block wall. And I felt that there was a portal there. So this is something that I didn't discuss with you earlier that I should have, is that not only you know, do I have to, by the power of God, bind and rebuke and cast out demonic forces, but I also have to close the portals as well, because there are portals everywhere.
0: That's not easy.
7: Travel. No, it's not. And, and so I'm standing there in front of this block wall, where God had led me to, where I believed a large portal was. And I'm binding and rebuking it, closing the portal. And as I'm doing this, George, just as you're hearing my voice now, this groan, growl type of thing came out from within the block wall. Anita and Chris were standing right there with me. We all heard it clearly. And so after hearing that, I had to jump right back into action and take power and authority and bind and rebuke it, cast out, and then it departed. But it was, again, something that you and the uh, listeners, you'd have to be there to see it and hear it for yourself to truly understand and appreciate what I'm saying.
0: Well, let's take a few calls here for you, Bill, and we'll come back and talk more about these events and the Mandela Effect as well. Let's go to Colleen in Red Bluff, California, to get things started. Hi, Colleen.
2: Hi, George. Thank you, I think, for taking my call. I'm actually kind of really nervous. Um, I was married for a long time to an abusive man, and there were many times, just to cut it short, it was abuse verbally, physically, mentally, whatever, and sexually. And um, I can distinctly remember at least three or four times where – I saw the face of Satan, well, he would be raping me and choking me, and I would have fought him off physically as hard as I could, and I was strong back then, and I mean, I would be sweating just out of energy trying to fight him off, and um, I just i feel like I've been stuck. And I don't know if there's residual effects from that or whatever, but I know. I know.
0: Do you I know feel possessed?
2: Just, I don't know if I feel possessed because I've done, I mean, a single mom, four kids, raised them all, worked hard. And, and
0: where is he? Know. He's done. He's gone, right?
2: He died, yeah. He oh, died he died. About three, yeah, about three and a half years ago. But, I mean, I, we were divorced a long, long time ago. But, you know, I mean, God has been amazing in, in letting me raise my kids and everything that we went through. I mean, just a host of things. But um, personally, I just feel like i just not worthy. I don't know. I, I...
0: Well, let's bring the expert in to talk with you. Bill, go ahead.
7: And I'm very sorry that you've suffered in the way that you have. And I want you to know that God does love you, and God is with you, and God is for you. And I think it's time for you to start a new chapter, a new season in your life, making God first in your life and have a real connection with him. And allow him to show you that you are somebody and you are worthy. So I would suggest to you that, and whether it's me or somebody else, find someone to help you with this type of spiritual, and this would be more of a spiritual cleansing for you. And I would also recommend that you'd be rebaptized as well. And start a new chapter in a new season in peace, freedom, and victory. I want you to look forward and never look back. Okay.
0: And you can get a hold of Bill through his website, Colleen, billbean.net, linked up at coast dot coastamcom
7: That's it. And uh, God bless you. And if I can be of any assistance in any way, please, like George said, he just gave you the website. Don't hesitate.
0: Let's go to Ed in uh, Hemp Hill, Texas. Ed, welcome to the program.
5: George, it's such an honor. To talk to you. Well, thank you, Ed. And Bill, when I was nine years old, my mother went to Kmart and bought a Ouija board.
0: Oh, boy. Oh, boy. uh, She thought it was a game, right?
5: Thought it was a game, yeah. And my brother, me and my brother played it. He was three years old, and he was 12. At 25 years
7: old, mm. oh my!
5: And uh, everybody in my family, except my father, he's 82, has died.
0: I'm very sorry to hear that. You think a lot of it was tied to that Ouija board,
5: Ed? I think everything was tied to it.
0: Anything happened that you could recollect for us when you were playing it? And how many times did, did you and your brother? Uh, Use the board.
5: Oh, we, we, we mess with it every day.
0: Every day. Oh, my
5: gosh. Every day.
0: It's a portal, Bill, isn't it? For Dan Galanti, Tom Danheiser, Lisa Lyon, Lex Lonehood, Sean LaDosource, Stephanie Smith, Chris Burroughs, Tim Banal, Ian Punnett, George Knapp, I'm George Norrie somewhere out there on Coast to Coast AM. We'll see you on our next edition. Until then, be safe, everyone.